0: FM to get started.
1: It is the most infamous reign in WCW history. You listen to them talk, David Arquette. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ooh, hello, 83 Weeks. It is time for all the buzz about this 83 weeks episode of David Arquette. Welcome to the show. So happy to be interacting with real humans. And I know you all are there because I can see you in our live chat. And I want to, of course, welcome our big guest of the week of every week. This wasn't his idea, but he did let it happen. However, he also convinced me this was a great idea. Please welcome Eric Bischoff. Hello, Eric.
2: Hello, Christy, George, Steve. How in the hell are all of you? George, oh, okay.
3: oh, George is too busy reading. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be positive, like Paige apparently. But I'm oh good. My God.
1: <laughs> I don't see anyone munching on any brown schwag or sandwiches. However, Eric, the chat role, Michael Mackey does want to know if that's what you're having for dinner after all that chatter.
2: I'm not, however, however, I did have some Braunschweiger or liver sausage uh, yesterday as a little bit of an appetizer. Um, And and we were talking a little bit offline before we went on the air and I'm on this keto diet, which I really love by the way. And last night I had goose eggs. I should have brought one up. I just ate one right before I came up. Cause I haven't eaten all day. I'm also fasting like 22 hours a day. Right. And I just had a little tiny apple cause there's carbs in apples, but I need a little bit of carbs. And I had this giant goose egg. The freaking thing was huge. And Mrs. B hard boiled it for me. And I absolutely love hard boiled goose eggs. So next time, next week, I'm going to open up the show with a freaking goose egg. Wait till you see how big these suckers are. They're huge.
1: Um, I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm learning all kinds of things from you this week because I remember Braunschweiger. My mom, I think it was, used to eat it, and I found it to be disgusting, but I never knew that it was liver sausage.
2: Yeah, and you know, out here, um, well, out here, you know, I keep referring to out here like it's some other planet, and it is, kind of, <laughs> thank God. Um, but they have a lot of like, you could get Buffalo Braunschweiger and, and it's all, you know, grass fed and no hormones or chemicals or not, and not the nasty stuff you'd get like from a processing plant. Uh, and it's really good, but yeah, you got to get over the mental hump, but once you do, it's it really is, it, it's like, I kind of put Braunschweiger and Jameson kind of in the same category. It's like a gift from God. You just have to have an open up enough, uh, an open mind enough to, to really appreciate it. I do think certain
0: regions have foods like that that are specific to that region. Because uh, in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, we have Scrapple, which is a breakfast meat that everyone else looks at me crazy when I talk about Scrapple.
2: Well, that's like that's like spam, right? It's
0: not necessarily like it's a similar byproduct to a bunch of combinations of meat, but it's made by the Amish and there's a bit more. um I would say craftsmanship to it than spam.
1: And I'm going <laughs> to guess that it's all gray. Okay. It's- but it's all just some weird gray color. Um, and I hope everybody in our live chat chimes in with their local favorite uh, eating things that they like to consume. I mean, whatever. We're all open to new stuff right now, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: well- <laughs> open <laughs> mind. Probably- Christy, you've got to be socially liberal. You have to have an open mind and be willing to experience things that other people find so much passion in, in in order to to expand your awareness and sample things that you might not otherwise sample in your normal course of of daily activity. I encourage it.
1: Listen, the fact that I haven't been canceled by the carnivores yet, that I've been able to keep my mouth shut about what's going on right now on social media is um, just a a safety I'm going to take and move on. So (laughs) let's get to David Arquette. Eric, you were working super hard this week. I don't know if you know, um, everybody else is pretty chillax. You don't have to be doing all this, but you gave us a really great episode of the show and a bonus interview with David Arquette, which uh, everybody can find on ad-free Shows. I loved it. What did you think? Like, how did you come away from it after sitting down and having that conversation with David, which was incredible?
2: What blew my mind, Christy, well, I was, uh, was seeing the documentary that he did. Um, I mean, interview, I was like, so excited to interview David after seeing the documentary because I had no idea what he did. I knew he was doing a documentary. And in fact, I think I was one of the first people that he reached out to, to help him kind of start the process in terms of, you know, showing up in Detroit to, to the legends of wrestling, you know, the very first one, there was two and the first one he came to, uh, which ended up being a disaster. Um, There was massive amounts of alcohol involved and it was ugly, but when you see the documentary, you'll see it. And it was, you know, it was a shoot. It was a real deal. Um, But he, David, Poured himself into that documentary, and took me personally on a journey that I had never been on before, you know. And I I don't want to give away too much of the uh, of the documentary, but you know, it it really that winning the WCW World Title. A, it was not his idea, and for the record, it wasn't Russo's idea, even though he's taking credit for it. Why I'm not sure, but it was Tony Schiavone's idea, and Vince always positioned it, you know over the last two decades is, you know, that was one of his ideas and he wore it as a badge of honor, you know, which is typical Vince Russo, but it, it wasn't David's idea. David didn't politic for it. David didn't really even want to do it, but it was what we've all felt we needed to do. And yeah, as you said in your open, I approved it. It was my call. I could have said no, and I didn't, uh, but it was Tony's idea. And, and winning that title had such a profound impact emotionally on David and not in the way that you would think, because as you will hear David say in the, in, in the interview is, you know, this thing that he loved and he grew up loving professional wrestling, just like all of us did as a kid with his father. You know, I hear that so often it was part of his childhood. And one of the things he remembered about, you know, doing with his dad, And for him to get in the ring, and this is a guy that's worked with, you know, movie stars and went on to work with Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell. And, you know, he's done, you know, he was, you know, married to Courtney Cox. I mean, it's not like the guy, you know, had never experienced fame and fortune in Hollywood before. And he he got in the ring, he won the title, and he, he thought that wrestling fans would go, wow, that's really cool. You're one of us, and you won the title. And the exact opposite happened. And it really hurt him. Not, not, in a, not in a slight way. David is a very sensitive guy, and you'll get that when you see the documentary. And I think you'll, you got a glimpse of it when you saw um, the interview that I did with him on AdFreeShows.com. He, he hides it well. He manages it. But he's a very sensitive guy. And it bothered him for, like, almost two decades to the point where he said, I, I've got I've to apologize. I've got to send a love letter to the wrestling industry, and I've got to do a make good. And his idea of a make good was to start at the very bottom in some of the you know in in some of the toughest conditions he could find, and learn what it means to be a part of an industry, not just from the front row as a celebrity who got to participate for a cup of coffee, but it's just like any of us would. George, just like you do. You know, start at the independent level, and work your way up and learn the culture and learn what what it means and and understand why wrestling fans have such a profound impact uh, or excuse me, such a profound respect for the industry and the things that he put himself through. I wouldn't do. I I, and, you know, I put myself in some pretty bizarre situations, both professionally and personally, um, just to experience them. And I wouldn't do what David did. And he and he did it at 46 or 47 years old, which makes it even more mind boggling. And when you see this documentary, and I know we're not here to talk just about that, but from the filmography, you know, the way it was shot, the way it was edited, the music, but the heart in the soul, that blew me away. So that when I interviewed David the next day, after seeing that documentary, he sent me a link to it. I, I, I was like I was like the biggest mark in the world. I was so excited to interview him. And I, I gotta tell you what, I've always respected David. But now, like on my list of people who I really look up to, David's up there. You know, he may not be at the top of the list, but you know, he's definitely, you know, right near the top. Not because of what he's accomplished, not because of anything else, but because of the commitment that he made. And more importantly, how much he revealed of himself figuratively figuratively and literally he he exposed himself emotionally in ways that very few people have the balls to do and 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 for that alone he's my hero for that alone so i was excited to talk to him so
0: that 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 certainly uh covers the question ken terminated by google just asked in the chat uh have you seen have you seen any of the uh, David Arquette's post-WCW work, and would you agree that he's become a better worker, despite what Jim Cornette's thinks? Ken terminated by Google was super chatter. Uh, before the documentary, had you seen any of uh, David Arquette's post-WCW work?
2: Uh, you're talking about work in the ring? Yes. On the independent scene? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know, clips of it, you know, because um, he was doing a lot of independent stuff, and obviously I wasn't at those shows, but I've, I've seen clips of it. You know, I I saw what happened when he got his neck cut open, you know, right near his carotid artery, almost freaking died. Um, I mean, that was crazy in and of itself. And and that wasn't the only crazy thing um, that was in a documentary. But yeah, I've seen some of it. And I I don't, again, I don't want to hype the hell out of this documentary to the point where people watch it and go, oh, it wasn't quite as good as he put it over to be. You got to see it. And, and have your own opinion of it. But in terms of, did he become a better worker in terms of his abilities in the ring? By a mile, to the point where at the very end of the documentary, and I'm not going to give it away, there were Hall of Famers in that ring putting him over. People you would be surprised to to see putting over David Arquette. Because his work, he he didn't just thrust himself into the world and try to experience what it's like, you know, in, you know, in Tijuana, you know, training, training you know, with luchadores, for example, out in the middle of a traffic jam for tips. You know how, like in LA, when you drive around traffic, gets tough. You're at Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica. There's three miles of traffic. It's not moving. Everybody comes along and they're trying to sell you flowers or bring you a newspaper or wash your windshield for a tip. Well, David was out in the middle of a traffic jam in Tijuana wrestling in the center of an intersection doing high spots for, for pesos because that's part of the culture. Wait till you see it. And and yeah, he took it seriously. And yes, he's he's amazingly, he got amazingly good. Now, to the point where he's AEW material or or WWE material, no. And he'll be the first to tell you that. But better than probably let me not I don't want to say better as good as 60 or 70 percent of the people that I've seen at independent shows that I've been a part of absolutely freaking lootly
1: wow well we love that and this kind of got me thinking about what other celebrities may have made a big splash at this time becoming the WCW champion Uh, of course this Uh, Choice of David Arquette went over uh, a little differently than you maybe wanted it to But we thought it'd be fun to put you back in the boss chair And we're gonna pitch you a celebrity from 2000 and you just tell us if you would shoot that idea down Or if you'd say yeah, you know what? Let's give them a title run All right We want the chat world to chime in on this as well if they have any great ideas and we are gonna start with George
3: Oh, well, uh, I mean, mine's easy. It's got to be the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. First off, the guy looks like a professional wrestler. I mean, we've we've all seen the pictures of him with superstar Billy Graham, you know, him with just other great looking guys. So he already looks the part. Plus, he was already always legit by wrestling fans. Everybody was saying like, oh, Arnold, you need to get into wrestling. And especially in the year 2000, they were just around months removed from him making an appearance in the WWF with that segment with Triple H where he knocked out Triple H. So what better way to bring in WCW into WCW than the guy that just knocked out Triple H. He already has a WWF belt. Um, so why not bring him into WCW to have a legitimate world, I mean, as a celebrity, to have a World Heavyweight Championship, uh, whether it's a week or a day or a month, as a
2: world champion? Arnold Schwarzenegger is my pick. Yeah, I mean, look, that would have been hard to pass up that opportunity um as ill prepared as david was you know one of the great things about david in his character in 2000 um first of all remember david arquette won the world title in this convoluted tag match um but he he won the world title by beating me christy could beat me in a shoot <laughs> Steve Kaufman could beat me. Shoot, all right, George, you could you could bounce me all over the arena. <laughs> all right, so David Arquette beating Eric Bischoff for the world title was not quite the same as David Arquette beating Jeff Jarrett or David Arquette beating Diamond Dallas Page or David Arquette beating Eddie Guerrero or Booker T or you know. So I think you know, even though David winning the title was an affront to many wrestling fans because, you know, the most coveted championship, according to Dave Meltzer, the most coveted title in the world, putting it on a celebrity that that wasn't a wrestler was like the sin of all sins. At least it was a stunt where he was beating a guy like me, which, you know, shouldn't have mattered, right? But to have a guy like Schwarzenegger come in and win the world title against an established talent, I think would have been a far graver mistake. So as much as I would have been tempted to obviously tempted because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger for crying out loud, Mm -hmm. but and whether or not he had been in WWF is irrelevant, but it would have been interesting. We, We would have had to find a way for him to walk out of there with the world title without having had to beat somebody that was an established talent or have an actual match. I'm gonna give you a little hint. I don't mean to be critical. I'm not judgmental. I'm just stating what I think is a fact. I've I've come into contact with many bodybuilders who looked like they could eat you alive, who couldn't recite the alphabet and tie the shoes simultaneously. Right? They're not athletes necessarily. They look like they're athletes. And I'm not saying all. So before you burn up my fricking Twitter feed, this is a general broad statement, okay? My personal experience in real life, I was a bouncer in Chicago. I had more than more more times than I can count. I've had guys that were jacked up that would come in with T-shirts that were four sizes too small and veins popping out of their forehead and try to muscle their way through a line. and and take advantage of the fact that everybody was intimidated by him until they got to the door, and then 180-pound me said, hey, brother, get get back to the end of the line. And when shit ensued, you would be surprised how unathletic some of those people are. Now, whether or not Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that category, I don't know. But I would assume probably. The guy spent his entire life throwing iron around there's a lot of big difference between throwing iron, iron around and having the coordination, skill, the timing, and the speed to even get through a celebrity stunt match. So I would have been excited, but really hesitant. I think big Papa Pump said it the best
3: too, where he said, some people are built for show others are built to go. So
2: like, yeah, I just, well, okay. Scott Steiner. Okay. There, there's an There's a bizarre example. Scott Steiner at his peak was a version of an Arnold Schwarzenegger, and what one might consider—I well, might consider a bodybuilder—that just happened to be an outstanding collegiate wrestler. Two different things.
1: Wow, this is fun. Um, I think I have a pretty good one that would rival David Arquette. Actually, hear me out here, and I think he would—he would do it. He would be down. It's Jim Carrey. He was promoting several films in the year 2000, me, myself, and Irene. He had a documentary out. He did The Grinch. And I think the fact that he's a comedian means that he would go all in on this. He's done a lot of physical comedy. I think uh, he would probably surprise us with what he would be willing to do. And I think the fans would actually love it. You could tell a story with him. You could get people rooting for him. Um, And whenever he lost it, it would make big news again. You know. So I'm just saying, maximum publicity, Jim Carrey what do you think Eric
2: I would go for Jim Carrey over Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold Arnold would come with a tremendous amount of equity and name value and all that because Arnold Schwarzenegger has been around I remember reading about Arnold Schwarzenegger when I was a kid living in Pittsburgh um Arnold's been around a long time and certainly the the Terminator movies and all the other things that he did once he broke through Hollywood um put, put him on a map in a major 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 way But for me, I think the fact that Jim Carrey is a comedian would have broadened the ability to have fun with it and not take it too seriously, which in hindsight, you know, I wish we could have done that with David because two two things going back to David uh, and I'll, I'll circle back to Jim Carrey with David, you know, the biggest mistake we had was David Arquette coming in and beating a heel. Right. If David would have beat a baby face, and embrace the heel character we could have probably gotten a little bit of mileage out of it as a heel because everybody would have want to see him get his ass kicked and when he finally did whether it was one week two weeks three weeks whatever um it, it, they would have been really satisfied with that but instead he wasn't a baby face he was thrust into a position where he was beating a heel, which by default, he was a baby face, but he was a baby face that no one liked because he was a 150 pound celebrity. So it put him in an awful position. Whereas Jim Carrey, again, if Jim Carrey would have come in as Jim Carrey, obviously, and and, and he is one of the funnier comedians or was, I think he's kind of gone off the rails a little bit now. He's not that funny anymore, but back then he certainly was. But for a guy like that to come in, and put him against a heel, um, or excuse me, put him against a baby face or a heel for that matter, probably put, probably put him against a heel and have fun with it and embrace the comedy for a period of a couple weeks. You're not going to get a three-month run out of it, but for a couple shows, you could have some real fun with that. So I, I, I like the Jim Carrey idea.
1: All right. All right. You got a chance, Steve. What do you think?
0: All right. Uh, the chat has talked me out of an off-the-wall pick. I'll tell us, I'll, I'll tell everyone offline. And brought me to a fairly obvious one for the year 2000, and it's Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone brings a similar name heft that you'd get from someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, plus less of, less of a bodybuilding physique and more of a fighter in-ring perfor- athletic performer physique that I think he would be a very interesting pick. Now the question becomes, do you think he would want to work heel against a baby face? Cause that's the only way I could see any outsider winning a world title on their first night
2: working. I mean, I, I, I've met Sylvester Stallone. I did an interview with him. I don't know when it was 93 or 94 or whatever. Um, but I don't know him. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea. I think Sylvester Stallone, even by then from, from it, when, that one, I and I'll tell you why it, it's not a bad idea mm-hmm. But I think the expectations would have been so high because of everything else that Sly had done. Look at me. I call him Sly. like <laughs> the place, right? Yo, Sly, you going to go have a cigar. <laughs> um, but I think the expectations would have been too high. and I, don't, I, I There wouldn't have been the ability to find humor in it and have fun with it. It would have automatically gone into the serious category, and I think that would have been a challenge. Although,
0: unless you had him let's say you had him three matches over the course of two years and he comes in and loses the first match that you build up and then he doesn't come back for like eight months. I'm just trying to, if you're trying to mirror the Rocky character, that's what would happen.
2: Well, would, no, I mean, you're talking about something completely different. Now you're talking about an arc and a story. You're talking about a journey. Guy comes in, big time celebrity, Rocky, physical guy, right? Um, and I'm sure he is a physical guy. He did a lot of his own stunts. He learned how to box. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I would, you know, If I had to get in the ring with either Stallone or Schwarzenegger, I'd pick Schwarzenegger at his peak before I'd pick Stallone, because Stallone knows how to box. But um, if you have an arc in a journey, and Stallone steps in and he gets his ass kicked and he decides to do what David did, which is go back to the drawing board and learn from the ground up and come back and redeem himself, because David's story, you know, You Can't Kill David Arquette is the name of the documentary film. it's a journey and it's, it's a journey about redemption. So if you had that kind of an arc and you had that hero's journey of redemption, then of course it could work. Anybody could work at that point. If you've got a good, this is, you know, I know I beat this freaking drum to death and I'm sure most of my audience is probably sick of hearing about it. So I have to be, it's a little bit like calling out Dave Meltzer. You know, I get, I get wound up and get pissed off and you know, everybody likes it. Not everybody, some people really like it. Some people go, okay, can you get with the Meltzer shit? But one of the other things that I talk about more than how much I, I can't stand Dave Meltzer and his reporting, um, I don't dislike Dave, I, I dislike his reporting. Two different things. But mm-hmm. is, okay, is it? Uh, uh, I'm not gonna- He's I'm not, not, gonna,
1: not the highest quality person in the entire I, world.
2: I'm, I'm not gonna refer to him on, on your show the way I refer to him on my show because it's kind <laughs> gross. But, but, um, story. You give me a story, you give me a journey, you give me something to invest in. And if, if somebody like, you know, anybody, you plug in any celebrity here, wants to commit to it and do the work, and there's a great story behind it, anything can work.
1: Oh, I love that. We got to get to some of these questions from the chat roll, but they had one more idea. They said, uh, Michael said, what about Gene Simmons from Kiss? That would definitely be a good one too. And when one you, when you tried to make happen, right, Eric?
2: No, there was never a conversation about, <laughs> it about putting Gene Simmons in the ring. There was <laughs> there was a strategy in place that Gene and I had kind of worked out where we were going to create you know, a, a Kiss army of professional talent um that would wear the the, the the kiss gimmick to help us you know create a line of merchandise for the wrestling audience based on the kiss franchise that we talked about but never getting gene in the ring
1: uh, i'm sure you want to make him take a bump at some point uh, I, we're I, I,
2: I you know and i i do know gene a little bit you know i i, I knew him a little bit a long time ago I don't get the impression he's a physical guy. He's one of the smartest people I've ever sat down and talked to. I think he, he speaks seven different languages. Um, he's, he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever had the um, uh, honor to sit with and talk to. And do. I mean, I learned a lot from Gene. I um, learned a lot from Gene in his house. He's married to Shannon Tweed, right? You know who Shannon Tweed is? Yes. She was a playboy, playboy centerfold at one point. That's um, good. I was at Gene's house one morning for whatever reason. He wanted to have a meeting like at <clears throat> eight o'clock in the morning or something. So I went to his house for this meeting and we go down into his basement, uh, lower level. I said basement. You know, it's not like the basement that I had when I was a kid in Detroit. I mean, it's a lower level, but the entire is probably 3,600 square feet. And it was like a, a distribution warehouse filled with all of his merchandise because he handled all of his own licensing and merchandising. He didn't farm it out Um, or at least he handled a good portion of it and he oversaw it. Um, brilliant guy and and I remember when we were done, we concluded our business and we went upstairs for breakfast and Shannon was up there and she's at the stove, you know, she's wearing one of Jean's long shirts and that's about it, at least as far as I could tell. Didn't get a close-up look, if you know what I mean. But she was stunning, just stunning. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that's a great story. <laughs> but actually, I think,
1: I think the guys would appreciate any other details.
2: Well, actually, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> I, don't to, I don't mean I don't mean to suggest there was anything more exciting than that. But for me to be, you know, because look, you know, I've been around celebrities for thirty years, but I still kind of get that. Ooh, I'm in a room with Gene Simmons, or you know, whatever, and. When you're in the room with a guy like Gene Simmons' wife, who's two-thirds naked, just cooking eggs like it's no big deal, like, you know, I was a member of the family, it was a moment that I'll never forget. Clearly, I'm bringing it up, so it it left an indelible impression on my mind. And by the way, I'd already seen her naked in Playboy, so it wasn't like, you know, that was exciting. I mean, the whole world saw her buck-ass naked, not a big deal, but... Yeah, you know, when she's standing four feet away from you, flipping a sunny side up egg, hey, that's a big deal. Um, <laughs> well, I,
1: I love that. So let's give the chat roll a chance to uh, have that kind of a connection with you, Eric. We're going to start with CJ LaChapelle, who is wondering how involved were you with the design of the WCW belts back in the day? Zero, zero. zip zilch,
2: zero. Nothing had nothing to do with it. Just wasn't you know, and I, you know, there's things I, I look back on and go, God, I wish I would have had, you know, wish I would have had my fingers in that a little bit more. I probably should have, you know, not delegated that out as much as I did or this out as much as I did. You know, that's one of my strengths and, and also is one of my weaknesses is I'm not a micromanager. I'm a macro manager. I put people in place that, you know, I have every reason to believe or hope that they're going to do a great job until they don't. And I'm, move them along and find somebody else that can I'm not a you know it's one of the things about Vince McMahon you know good or bad you can take your pick because um, there's great things about it and there's bad things about it but when you're a micromanager and you have to have your fingerprints on every single thing a uh, very few people are capable of doing that over the long term Vince is one that is sort of um, probably to his own detriment because he he's just so involved in, in everything and You know, you only have so much bandwidth. I don't care who you are, Uh, but I'm the opposite of that. You know, I'm, I was always more of a macro manager. So there was a lot of things like that, that I didn't touch. that I probably should have in retrospect.
0: Uh, Ball don't lie worldwide in the super chat. Is there one wrestler you wish you had used differently? I think I know the answer.
2: Boom. (laughs) Look. 32 years in the industry, what do you think? Of course, of course. Anybody that's, anybody that has never made a creative mistake or has never made a decision creatively that was a bad decision has never been paid for making creative decisions. In a a creative industry, I think if you can bat 300, you're pretty damn good. You know, nobody bats a thousand. Nobody. I, 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 300 is probably high average. I think if you can bat 250 or 200, you're pretty damn good. The majority of the idea is that how many bad ideas have we seen over the last six months? You know, I mean, come on. But, you you know, you sometimes you lay it out on paper. You talk through it with other people. You come up with an idea. It looks like the best idea in the world until, as my buddy Bruce Pritchard would say, the bell rings and it all goes to shit. Well, of course, I made a lot of those mistakes. So, was everybody else?
3: Interesting. Uh, so, I'm one of those people that absolutely hated David Arquette winning the championship. And I think the fact of that, uh, well, I, and, and honestly, I think the fact that he pinned a non wrestler makes it even worse, for goodness sakes. The fact that in the record book that said uh, Arquette pins Bischoff for world title, uh, but that's just my opinion. Um, With that said, I know Russo still defends it. Do you still defend it in the grander scheme of things of Arquette winning the championship?
2: To a degree, because you have to look at the context. Look at what was going on at that time. And, you know, we talked about it on the podcast at great length, and I'm not going to do it here. I'll encourage people to go to the 83 Weeks the podcast and hear the, the breakdown and the detail because we don't have enough time here. But I was just coming back. I had a rep within Turner Broadcasting and Time Warner at that point um, of not playing well with others. I was that one executive that everybody, you either, I was polarizing. You know, there were some people that really loved the way I handled business. And there was a lot of people above me that didn't really like it. Cause I was like as anti-corporate as you could possibly get. I looked for ways to piss off people up above me. Um, so yeah, I, and by the way, that's all gone now. I've, I've grown up. I've matured. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> I understand the world now a lot better than I did back then, but coming back um, knowing that I had that rep, knowing that the AOL Time Warner merger, Turner merger, was such an important piece of business, knowing that and hearing and being told clearly uh, and given a mandate to find a synergy between Turner Properties, my my version of it, WCW, or the version where I worked at that point, I was just more or less a consultant at that point in 2000. You know, my mission was to try to create a, a synergy with Warner Films, which, you know, is kind of a big damn deal. Um, the movie was kind of a big damn deal to them. Uh, Leonardo Di the producer, is probably one of the bigger damn deals in, in Hollywood today. So there was pressure on me to find a way to make shit work, even though it might not have been something I would have come up with. It might've been my first, not have been my first or second or even third choice. But when you're given those, you know, when you're given that mandate and you have these things going on around you, you know, the, the key to success is survival, right? And in order to survive in the environment that I was in, I had to do what I was being asked to do. Now, not specifically put the, putting the title on David, nobody asked me to do that. Um, clearly, it was a Tony Shavani spur of the moment idea <laughs> of Russo who passed it along to me and I approved it. That's exactly how that went down. Um, but yeah, I, I defend it to a degree because it kind of fit into and It's one of the reasons I approved it because the light bulb went off on my head. And I went, wait a minute, we're going to do something unexpected, check that box. We're going to create an opportunity to follow it up in an interesting way. Check that box uh, or an entertaining way, I should say. Um, And oh, by the way, we're being good corporate partners and citizens. Double check that box. So yeah, I'll defend it under, you know, in that auspices or in that context. And with that Ah. said,
3: with that said, um, if David Arquette was insistent on not becoming champion, was he contractually obligated to do so with that short-term deal that he had maybe with you
2: guys? Oh, it was a handshake deal, brother. There was no – that's one of the reasons why I love David as a person. I, I love people who, you know, you can sit down, you can talk about something over, or, over a beer, or over a sandwich, or over breakfast, and have a couple, you know, exchanges back and forth, shake hands, and boom, you're off and running. And if you come up with a better idea or a different idea, you sit down, you talk about it, and you work through it, and you go. Uh, but there was no contract that would have he would have had to fall back on or I would have had to fall back on. There would have been no litigation. It would have just been a conversation.
1: Well, Eric, you made a very uh, convincing argument this week on 83 Weeks. And like I said before, you got me convinced this was really a great idea, all in all. Uh, a little shout-out to Nicholas Roque, who said he misses Eric Bischoff on Raw. Uh, hardly anyone's watching nowadays. Anyway. Whoa, and Christy. <laughs> truth truth well you you've offered your thoughts on that and i think you know we're all kind of waiting for them to maybe take your advice and stop doing the live shows uh but in the meantime uncle rory wants to know if you prefer a swedish or a sports massage eric
0: same well, hey, uncle rory if you're asking
2: depends on the masseuse well
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, love, love that um i had one for you eric Watching this back, I tried to bring up all the stuff that exists on YouTube, and uh, what popped up was a promo with David and Courtney, Courtney Cox, his wife at the time, backstage at WCW. They were outside, and she was like, "You're crazy! Why are you doing this?" She kind of walks away from him. She's very frustrated. Uh, what do you remember about her coming on set and shooting that promo, getting her to do it? Can you share any little juicy tidbits on that?
2: Uh. Well, yeah, I can. Well, David was busy. Courtney and I went out and had a couple cocktails, and I got to know her really, really well. Um, wait a minute, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh. That didn't happen. I'm sorry. I was say Shannon happen.
1: Tweed and Courtney Cox in the same hour.
2: No, right? No, but that scene that that YouTube video that you saw uh, that wasn't at WCW. That was on the set of a movie called Three Thousand Miles to Graceland with Kurt Russell and Kevin Costner. That movie was being Uh, filmed they were producing that movie while all that was going on so we lifted that scene and inserted it in WCW programming but that wasn't that wasn't backstage at WCW Uh, 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 quick shout out but I will say had Courtney showed up I would have made sure David was busy and I would have at least taken a swing at, at taking Courtney out for a cocktail I would have had to try
1: I'm sure she would have been down
2: I don't
0: know. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to Steve S. in the chat. He is a truck driver listens to us. He's thankful to all of us for giving him content to watch while in the truck. Aww. Thanks for keeping us fed and or clothed, Steve He's S. He's
3: driving? Anyway. I, you know, this
0: is a primary audit, audit, auditory. You could put this on the Bluetooth on in the truck. I, and uh, Pro Wrestling Reviews, I'll paraphrase the question a little. It says, will we see Eric return to TV anytime soon? And if so, what promotion would you choose?
2: I can't imagine um, being back on television in, in any kind of a regular way. I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this before. I, I, I could certainly see a one-off, um, or, or, or something, um, an OTO or one-time only kind of thing, uh, appearance anywhere, I guess. A, should have done independent shows and, and for fight TV and things like that. So i I had mean, no problem doing it. I, di- I just don't think, you know, I think that train has left the station. I don't think anybody wants to see a 65 year old guy used to be kind of a big deal for a cup of coffee back on television again. So um, I, don't, I don't see it in any kind of a regular basis, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put an asterisk there and say, never say never because stranger things have happened, but I doubt it.
1: Okay. Uh balls don't lie wants to know would you have not revealed Brett signed with WCW before he lost the WWE title uh there were some rules prohibiting all that kind of stuff right eric
2: I'm con- I'm confused could you ask that
1: again yeah I, I i am too um and the chat role thinks that i can't read the way it is so we should probably just move on <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i think the i think the question the question is not deciphering it is you signed Bret Hart while he's the WWF champion. Right. And that's, that's fairly, that's pretty well known in those circles, but it's not well known publicly. And I think the question was, would you see any value in letting it be known heading into survivor series that Brett's already signed with you?
2: Oh, well, that's kind of an interesting question. Um, one would I, that I would have to ponder, you know, because again, would I do it? There's a difference between what I would have done then, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff then and the Eric Bischoff now are in some respects, two different people when it comes to certain things. Um, I probably would today. No, I wouldn't back then. Had I given it a little more thought, I probably would have. And in, in the sense that, I don't know if it would have actually built any
0: value for you so much as devalued that survivor series match. Correct. I think that would be the,
3: yeah. So everybody already knew, everybody already knew he was leaving like days before anyways, but speaking of the belt, because the belt was a big thing. Uh, Cause you mentioned about the world title being a prop. So my question is a little bit more, you know, from the, maybe the producer Booker side is, do you think that the belt, the world title should be giving to, should be given to somebody that's over or should be given to somebody to get over?
2: Let me be, and I'm glad you asked that question, George. I appreciate it very much because I did say, and last week after I said it, I almost called you guys back and said, Hey, can we clean that up a little bit? Because I I didn't want to imply any lack of respect for the title or the people that had won it or the amount of dedication and effort and everything else that it takes talent above all else. um, Other than sacrifice to get to that level in a major company. i certainly did not mean to respect the title in that regard. And I myself look up to people, characters, people that have been world champions in the past or champions, you know, television champions, U S champions, tag champions, that I may not necessarily love their characters or love what they did, but I still respect how they got there. Um, so when I use that term or when I, when I reference the wrestling as a prop, I was trying to quickly, because this is a short show and I talked to fucking much. I was quickly trying to make a point that this is scripted entertainment. You know, the guns that you see in a feature film and guys shooting at each other aren't really freaking shooting each other, but the guns are very important to the, to, to, to the script in the movie, right. Or to a scene in a movie. I was trying to draw parallels between fiction, scripted world, and somehow Sometimes people, because wrestling is such a bizarre thing, sometimes people forget that it's scripted entertainment. And the prop is a device. It's a better way to say it. It's a device. It's a storytelling device. To answer your question, George, um, I personally believe that if if somebody's already over, what do they need a title for? Unless you're going to take it off of them so that they can chase it and get more over that i could buy but for the most part i'm a firm believer that a world title any title is a device whereby you can if you're actually you actually give a shit about story you're following somebody's journey to win that title because that those are the stakes that's the holy grail that's the lottery ticket that's a life changing moment that's boy meets girl boy gets girl Right. That's the love story. It's Shakespeare. Fuck. It's 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 part of every, you know, most stories that you'll find in in history is that quest for something and an achievement. And that's what the world title should be. But I think it's more valuable from a storytelling as a storytelling device to see that journey and the quest for it, as opposed to somebody that's already over getting it. Hmm. I don't know. It's like seeing, it's like, you know, it's like watching, you know, finding out that Bill Gates won a $300 million lottery ticket. Fuck.
3: <laughs> it did, did, did real quick though. Uh, did Hulk have an opinion on it, on, on pro Arquette being champ or con?
2: Yeah, he, he did. Now his point of view was a little bit different because of his experience. He made a lot of money as a baby face with the title who is over. So his, his perspective on it was different than mine um he had a couple hundred million dollars to back up his point of view and I didn't um wow. but um but yeah we could we 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 conflicted there
1: all right. Wow. So much good stuff to discuss this week. You guys are um, on fire. You guys are
2: on fire today. I love maybe I, I am. got
3: so many more questions, too. <laughs> I, know.
1: I know the chat rolls on fire, too. I just want to take a quick sec to shout some of them out. Daniel Fee33 says he loves your work. We want to say hi to FM and Matt, and Zombie Fam, Quake, Quake, everybody. And thank you, especially Eric, for spending this little hour with us. We do this every week live at 5 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays on the 83 Weeks channel. You guys got to join us, get your questions for Eric, listen to 83 Weeks, and come and hang out with us. So thank you again, Eric.
2: Hey, thank you guys. I love you. I love all you guys. I have so much fun doing this. I really, really do. And I appreciate your time and your effort and, and everything that you put into it. Steve, Mr. Kaufman, has kind of given me a, uh, a, 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 a the idiot oh, yeah? posting on YouTube. So I'm going to actually uh, try to post a YouTube channel in adi- or a YouTube show in addition to this uh, tomorrow. I'll commit to doing it tomorrow. So whatever questions we didn't get to tonight, I'll try to get to tomorrow. How's that? Sounds great.
1: Oh, that's so kind of you, Eric. We love that. And, uh, thank you, George and Steve, for joining us and for everybody for hanging out. We will see you next week when we talk. Wait, ask
0: eric anything
1: ah the debut the monday night debut. The
0: monday night War, TNA. oh i'm wrong never mind
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a good one and we will be right here for it we'll see you then eric and all of you thank you so much bye bye. our founder kevin undergaro and me maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to after buzz tv